Hi folks, welcome back. Today is April 15th, and if it's Friday, then this is the Delve. Hi folks, welcome back to the show, and do I have an extra special treat for you today. Have you ever heard of lizard people? Huh? Have you? Unfortunately, I had, and uh, it's quite bizarre. A couple weeks back, I was joined by Marielle Harrison from the University of Chicago. Marielle is a historian of religion and walked us through the semi-culty, semi-political ideology, but fully intense conspiracy theory known as QAnon. We're back with another episode to dive into a separate but overlapping conspiracy theory called the reptilian conspiracy theory, or more simply, lizard people. I know, I know, stay with me here. This conspiracy theory is based around the idea of shape-shifting lizards taking human forms in a plot to rule America and the world. Outlandish? Sure. Harmless? Absolutely not. On Christmas Day in 2020, Anthony Quinn Warner unleashed an explosion in Nashville, Tennessee. This detonation damaged 41 buildings and miraculously only injured three people. Here's a bit more. Welcome back, everybody. A bizarre new twist in the Nashville Christmas Day explosion. Investigators are now exploring several conspiracy theories as potential motives, including evidence the bomber believed in lizard people and a so-called reptilian conspiracy. Want to go to Morgan Chesky, who is in Nashville for us. Uh, Morgan, good morning. Good to see you on this. Um, this new reporting is really bizarre. Uh, just to be honest, um, considering these these conspiracy theories now now involved in this whole thing. So so talk us through uh, what you know so far on this. Yeah, Yasmin, good morning. Federal officials looking into several unfounded conspiracy theories as potential motives for Anthony Quinn Warner. One of those, as you mentioned, includes this reptilian theory, uh, which uh, basically says that there are individuals on planet Earth that are lizards sent here to do harm. This nonsense is pushed by a variety of internet conspiracy mongers, including far-right Trump-loving QAnon followers, one of whom was accused in 2019 of murdering his own brother because he thought he was a lizard. And just as with Q, this is a profound following as well. As many as 12 million Americans believed in this lizard people conspiracy, according to a 2013 public policy polling survey. It's safe and scary to assume the number is higher today. Once again, I'm completely dumbfounded, but luckily we have more from Professor Harrison to walk us through lizard people. Take a listen. Mario, I, I like, honestly, I didn't want to do this to you because it's so bizarre, but I want to talk a little bit about lizard people and, um, and let's and, talk about lizard people. Let's talk about lizard people. I mean, you are an expert in this space. So who I, I it's not like I can ask like a normal, you know, a regular person, uh, you're, I, I have you and I should use your expertise. So weird tell, person who knows about lizard people. Yeah, no, I don't, I, don't think it's weird. I don't think you're weird at all. I think you're, you're, you have like, you know, a fascinating set of skills here. Uh, so can you give us the rundown on lizard people? Yeah. So the 
lizard people theory or reptilian conspiracy theory is a separate conspiracy from theory, uh, from QAnon, but there's a lot of overlap in that people who believe in QAnon are also, also sometimes likely to believe in this reptilian conspiracy theory. And this was essentially a conspiracy theory that was popularized by this guy named David Icke. And the idea essentially is that reptilian aliens control Earth and take on human form and have currently a lot of political power and hold positions of power generally. Um, when did this conspiracy theory come on the scene? I think like early 2000s, maybe oh. late 1990s. Okay. Um, was when this really became sort of, I don't want to say popular, but became a thing. Um, okay. And it's easy to laugh at, but at the same time, these have real actual repercussions. There was, sure. a, there was someone in Seattle who actually murdered a family member. Um, I think struck them through with a sword because he believed that they were one of these reptilian aliens. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's a that's, lot. That's always like the saddest part is when, you know, when these like fantastical ideas lead to like, you know, someone getting hurt. It's, it's, it's so unfortunate. It's so, it's so strange. And, and I feel like some of the followers, they're just kind of like, whatever. They're like, okay, I don't know. It's like, you, you see some of the QAnon people being interviewed and they're just like, yeah, of course. Like, and they know it's silly and they, and they hear themselves and they're like- Like from the outside, just looking at a summary, like we're, we're hearing about, oh, people who believe in lizard aliens or mm -hmm. that there's a deep state who's drinking, like who contains politicians it's easy to just dismiss these people as quote unquote crazy. But I think that the reality is like, these are people who believe that they are thinking rationally. And like I said before, I think it's a progression. Like you don't immediately jump into conspiracies about lizard people. I think you sort of have to gradually adopt certain ideas until you get to that point. And I think that when you're at that point, it's really hard to extricate yourself from that kind of thinking. Yeah. Just because so much is at stake. If you believe, if your worldview fundamentally is that there are really powerful actors who are actually lizard aliens, like that is a huge belief. Shifting that belief is like a fundamental shift in your ontology. A fundamental right. shift in what you think the world contains and what is possible within the world and that's really hard that's that's the part that i'm so frightened by and and i feel like that's what makes you know these conspiracy theories so dangerous it's it's such an intense shift in, in, in a person's thinking um and it's like how do you deprogram that um like, wow. Yeah. I mean, I think even the idea of deprogramming, like, I think a fundamental misconception about a lot of the, like, new religious movements that have been labeled cults is that these people are brainwashed. Mm. And if you look at the science behind brainwashing, it's not really there. 
Like there is no real such thing as like Manchurian candidate style brainwashing. I think basically these are just situations in which people like experience intense socialization. So it's really hard to deprogram. And I think deprogram it's deprogramming itself is kind of a myth. Um, there have actually been a number of lawsuits about people trying to deprogram um, family members um, yeah. and hiring quote unquote deprogramming experts who have no real expertise in psychology and or <laughs> sociology or new religious movements. Um, like in and it's hard to it's hard to figure out like I think it's a good example actually, like the case of deprogramming about how sort of nebulous these ideas are. Like in some cases there was there was a female professor like a few decades back who was abducted basically from her home and hired by a deprogramming group to deprogram her because she had liberal progressive values and was part of the civil rights movement. I mean, mm -hmm. I think it's deprogramming itself is just a kind of weird nebulous concept. And it's, it's also like an easy way out, like just, you know, someone can be deprogrammed, they'll be back to normal and they'll think like us and everything will be okay again. It's not so straightforward and easy. No, I, I don't even really believe that's a thing. I think people really have to kind of come out of it themselves. Um, I think some, some support systems can help, but mm. I think the idea of deprogramming someone or someone being brainwashed is essentially a myth. Uh, Mario, once again, you are amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> no, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. I want to give a big thank you to Marielle for walking us through yet another crazy conspiracy theory, lizard people, this time. Next week, we have an extraordinary episode featuring pole survivor and now press secretary of equality, Florida, Brennan Wolf. It's an incredible interview, and we discuss the Pulse nightclub shooting that left 49 people dead and wounded 53 others. Brandon also explains the Don't Say Gay Bill that was recently passed in Florida and the similar versions that are spreading throughout the nation. Here's a preview of next week's episode. Sure. So Equality Florida is the state's largest LGBTQ civil rights organization. I tell people that our charge is to defend Floridians from discrimination and bigotry, especially state sanctioned. I didn't know who Equality Florida was before the shooting at Pulse. Uh, I first became acquainted with the organization when the executive director asked me to coffee a few weeks after the shooting. And she's one of the first people who didn't ask me for something. She just wanted to check in and provide support. You know, they really specifically helped me financially get back on my feet. And then in 2019, I got a call from that same executive director and she offered me to help write my own position. She said, you know, you want to be in this work full time. We have the resources to help you do that. What would it look like for you to, to be in this work? Uh, and I knew right away that one of the things I wanted to do was help people tell their stories. I tell people all the time that I think everyone has an art form. I feel like words are my art form. And I wanted to help other people find their passion for, for sharing their stories. So I'm very honored to be the organization's first full-time press secretary. That means I get to help LGBTQ Floridians tell their stories every day. And then when it comes to, to legislative battles like Don't Say Gay, I get to help center our voices and our lived experiences in that conversation. I guess, what kind of issues have Equality Florida worked on in the past? 
Well, Equality Florida from its inception has been about pushing back against discrimination. Um, So from a policy perspective, we've always been at the forefront of pushing for pro-equality policy. We had a 24-year track record of defeating all anti-LGBTQ policy that came from the state legislature. We're very proud of that. Obviously, the last two years have been very difficult in an entirely different political climate emboldened by people like like Donald Trump and Governor Ron DeSantis. And then outside of that, we do a lot of educational work. Uh, We ask the question, what are we not doing? Because we can change all the policies we want, but if we're still allowing for the kind of conditions that lead to the violence we saw at Pulse, then we're not doing enough. We have to change the way the world sees LGBTQ people. We have to change the kind of environments that young people are being raised in. And so all that to say, we we do a lot of political work. We do a lot of policy work, obviously pushing for good things, fighting bad things. But some of the work that we're most proud of has been in educating the public and helping to share stories and and hopefully helping to reshape educational and, and company environments to be more inclusive of LGBTQ people. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Delve Podcast. Until next time, I'm Chaylin, and this is The Delve. I'll see you next Friday.